When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Age of Radio. All right, Jason, this is, this is fucking it. This is, the, this is the one. This is the big one. This is 100. We, we have now, after this episode is done, we have conquered all 100 movies on this list. I mean, who could possibly start this off for us? Uh, well, I have a couple of guests, and uh, I'm going to bring in a very special guest to introduce a very special guest. So uh, if you would come in, ladies and gentlemen, His Royal Highness Prince Philip. Oh, no. Oh, uh, yes, hello. Yes, hello, Brendan and Jason. Was it? Yes, absolutely. Hello. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm rather new upstairs, uh, mm. and they told me I should come down here. It's very confusing up there. I don't know if you've heard much about it. It's a sort of Republican place, you see, and it's mm. not necessarily the best place for the royals. But uh, you know, I, as soon as I arrived, of course, I found my mother-in-law, and she told me all about your podcast. And mm. you know, I. You don't seem to be uh, uh, exceptionally colonialist in your leanings, which is unfortunate, but... Uh, well, I did hear you had a heck of a snooker game with Henry Kissinger, so that's cool. I don't believe Henry Kissinger has passed yet. Mm, not yet. No, but he's also something of a ghoul, so he's been known to show up on occasion. I, <laughs> I totally... I, 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 I thought he was sick. Mm, no, he's, he's just sick in the head. Ha, 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 ha. But that's not why I'm here. I wish to introduce you to my mother-in-law, who wishes to stop by and say a little something, something. Ah. Ladies and gentlemen, Her Royal Highness the Queen Mother. Jason, she is drunk. Oh, hello. Yes, hello, ma'am. Just come on in and say hello. Oh, hello. Yes, my favorite podcast in the universe. For screen and country, you've come so far, gentlemen. She, I love your podcast. Did she just do cocaine, too? Uh, ma'am, you probably should not do that. It's not I'll do what I want. <laughs> Woo. Seriously. No, seriously, stick with me, okay? I'm, Seriously. I'm like, yep. 
I was here for the first episode, mm. and now I'm here for the last episode. Are you happy? Well, the last movie on the list. Are the you happy? We're not done. Are you happy? Jason, tell them we're happy. We're happy, man. We're very happy. Good. That's why I live. I live to please. <laughs> Woo! Um, I, I, I suspect we should probably go back to uh, the heaven and, and try to set up in a corner where no one will notice us. I will do no such thing. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, with all the bearing of all the royal support in the world and beyond in Republican heaven and elsewhere, the final episode of the British Film Institute's Top 100 list here on the greatest podcast in the universe as far as I'm concerned for screen and... Country. Thank you very much, Brendan. Jetpack! So, why does she have to have her jetpack carried by, like, six dudes? Like, it's just a jetpack. You have to understand. That's a privilege that comes with the rank. I haven't left yet. Oh, uh, wait, why are you still here? Uh, you know, I don't I don't really like it up there. It's very Republican, you see. And, and as a royal, one God. finds that one doesn't have much pull in a republic. Okay, if you stay here, you have to talk about the third man for 90 minutes. I don't, I don't care for that film. Goodbye, jetpack. Huh. Wow, I, that was that was special though. I, it was special, but I need people to stop saying it's the final episode. <laughs> it's not the final episode, guys. It is the final episode of this particular run of this run of a hundred movies that kind, we started. The yes. whole thing that we the, the purpose we started this podcast for we have accomplished. It does not mean that we are finished. No, and and we are not in fact wrapped up. Like this will wrap up at the end of the year. Yes, um, we'll have a couple more Brit picks. Sure, and uh, we'll have uh, our, our we'll have a wrap up. We'll have a couple more Brit picks, and then we'll have a big old wrap up episode yep. to tie the whole thing with a bow. And then we will do other things. Well, but then we're coming home. We're coming home. We're doing Canadian films, the top ten Canadian films according to well, we'll find out. I don't remember at this moment, but it's a big thing. I may also it. have to make you watch just because Men with Brooms. Well, we'll maybe we'll and, see, and we can watch a fifteen-minute cut of Passchendaele of all the cool scenes. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just we're going to briefly talk about that, and then we'll go back to British films in a, in another way. We and then we'll see. talk about the TV movie The Arrow with Dan Aykroyd. I don't think we need to do that. I think we do. But this podcast, uh, now that you've heard our entire uh, entire itinerary, yeah. uh, this podcast is, is a, a podcast about British film, of course, the top 100 British films of all time. We are talking about the final one on this list. Uh, this podcast is called For Screen and Country. And I am Brendan. And I remain Jason. And I continue to be Brendan. And I'm still Jason even now. I, even I said it before, it was true. I, I say it now, continues to be true. It's a, it's a constant truth. It is a truth that is immutable, at least until I decide to legally change my name, but I have no plans to do that. Only when the BFI list ends. Oh no, you have to hurry up! And then we'll be Beanie and Jackass in the morning. But weirdly enough, I'll be Jackass yeah, and you'll I'll be Beanie. Beanie. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got a Beanie coming in the mail. I bought it on Wish. It should oh. be here in nine weeks. Oh no, cancel that order. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, uh. Free seeds. <laughs> So that is what we do, Jason. That is who we are. We are talking about the last movie up mm. for discussion, number one. one, according to the BFI Top 100, the best British film of all time, The Third Man. Is it? We'll find out. But before we do, we need to read some comments regarding last week's film, and that was, of course, Nil by Mouth.
Jason Las Vegas. Jason Las Vegas. I am not now, nor have I ever been to Las Vegas. Jason, I just made you a new movie. Where I go to Las Vegas? Is you go to Las Vegas. You play Las Vegas. You play the founder of Las Vegas. The premise keeps changing. Stay with me. Jason Las Vegas. You're like, my last name's pretty cool. It's kind of classy yeah. and kind of trashy. Sure. I think maybe I should found an entire city yeah. and name it after me, Jason Las Vegas. And then somebody comes up and says, uh, how about just Las Vegas? And you have him killed yeah. for his, uh, for his, uh, his, 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 what's the word where you don't take someone's orders, uh, your manager. Uh, insubordination. Insubordination. Yeah. You kill him for his insubordination. Sure. But uh, then, but then you say, hey, what about just Las Vegas? And people say, that's a great idea, Jason, because they don't want to get killed. Makes sense. And then, lo and behold, you invent Las Vegas, and there's a di- dinosaur fight. The end. I, I like where you're going, because with that character, I mean, if your name's Las Vegas, you do one of two things. You found an entire fucking city, or you become a professional wrestler. Right. And I, I don't know that I'd look like a professional wrestler, so I'd have to found that city. Well, it depends what decade, Jason. That's true. I could pr- maybe in the fifties for sure. <laughs> I, I, I theoretically could be like a worker, or like a like a uh, what do you call him, a jobber for Gorgeous George. I, was, I think we could scrap with Luthez. Mm. I just put on a pair of tights and some boots, and I'm good to go. Exactly. You don't have to have a personality, and you do, so you're at an advantage. Hey. Jason, we need to read some comments about Nil by Mouth, a truly up uplifting film. Yeah. Yes. Uh, We'll start off quick because there's, there's quite a few actually. Sure, a few people have seen this. Uh, Davis Donovan says it's aggressively pretty good. Put that on the box. <laughs> Very '90s in that indie movie about CD low life's way. Kathy Burke is great, great in it. Wish she had more roles like that. Yeah, absolutely. Aggressively pretty good is mm. is pretty. Uh, it's it's a, a pretty good it's way. A fine line. It's a pretty good way to say, you know what, this isn't like the greatest thing, but this is probably a good version of this okay thing. It's like they tried with this and they ended up with something solid. It's pretty good. Hey, I said it's pretty good. That's aggressively pretty good. Exactly. Our next comment, Brendan, is Patrick C. Taylor, who says, I felt like it was well made without being at all memorable. Oh. Yeah. And you know what? I agree to that. There's not like... The most memorable thing for that movie, really, in my mind, is Kathy Burke, and then, of course, Ray Winstone, but beyond that. I mean, it's up there with, uh, that That's that movie had the, That movie and My Name is Joe has one of the best, this guy is drunk off yeah. his fucking rocker uh, scenes, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, it has a lot of comparisons to My Name is Joe, sort of. Well, did, did Joe beat up anybody? Like a lady? <laughs> no, he did in the past, though, in the remember? In past, yes, and he was moving past it, but yeah. he got hammered. Maybe that's uh, Ray Winstone after in My Name is Joe. Oh, maybe. Uh, Jason, our old pal Adam Pellman Adam. says, it's a difficult viewing experience given the subject matter, but I remember thinking it was excellent. Most excellent. Most excellent. Wow. Bill Be- and Ted's excellent adventure, but with the characters from No By Mouth. Hmm. So it'd be... Kathy uh, Burke and Ray Winstone going through time together and... <laughs> oh, no. Who, who totally just Melvin Death. Uh, look, honey, we've met Napoleon. Yes, I believe you are right in hitting your wife. That's what we do, huh? <laughs> I knew all the historical figures would agree with me. I knew I was right. I fucking knew I was right. <laughs> Slap. Oh, what, what, what do we got next? Uh, Jacob Skinner writes in, and I believe he's related to the wrestler Skinner. Oh, okay. I thought you were I saying assume. the fictional character. And uh, Jacob, Skinner. if I made that joke before, my apologies. It was probably a long time ago. Uh, Jacob Skinner. Jacob Skinner. Jacob writes. Not so fun fact, until Darkest Hour, this movie represented the only major awards, two BAFTAs, 
Gary Oldman had one, and of course, they weren't for acting. It was a smidge annoying last year to hear that people were bored by Oldman's recent award success because he hadn't had any Oscar gold or otherwise, I assume. And, and just a little peek behind the curtain, because Jason made it very obvious. <laughs> uh, I might not have copied the full comment, yeah. so we, we might have guessed at the end, but I'm pretty sure to, that's what you I said. had to improvise on a Seymour. Yeah. Um, okay. But thank you for your comment, Jacob. Yes, uh, thank you, Jacob. Matthew Ball says this: the title of this movie is throwing me off. As a medical professional, it's usually fully Latin, nil per os, or fully English, nothing by mouth. Oh, so Gary Oldman just doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's just combining shit. Yeah. Well, also, Ray Winstone's character is not exactly the sharpest knife in the drawer, so maybe he just didn't understand. And you know how I feel about mixing things, Jason. Mm. All things. I don't like mixing Except for mixing races, that's fun. Oh, okay. I was going to say, was was misogynization a word in your vocabulary? It's barely one of mine, so I can't even pronounce it. She sounds lovely. Don't ask. <clears throat> Don't tell. Brendan, our exact next comment is from Greg Breen, who writes in, Excellent film, a real masterpiece with an amazing performance by the great Kathy Burke. I agree. Gloved Kathy Burke. Can't say it enough. You say you gloved her? I gloved her. Oh no! I don't, I don't I, know what that. Okay, no. Oh no! Oh, so that's many oh. Things that could be, and I don't want it to be. No, any of and them. The, I'm not thinking of a terrible. I'm thinking of an awful. You'll tell me off air. Yeah. Okay. Uh, BS, who tells the truth here, says it is brutal but brilliant. If you want a depressing but expertly crafted as fuck afternoon, pair this with Tim Roth's The War Zone. Not familiar. Not familiar either, but Tim Roth, he sure Another great sad. actor who decided to make a movie, and it made a depressing movie. He, sh- he's a, he uh, looks like a sad man. Why are actors so depressed? Actors, guys, cheer up. Come on. You play pretend for a living. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and we all know that every actor makes $10 million a movie, 100%. no matter what the role. I get it. I get it. Or go work in a restaurant or something, you know. But that's true, right? Like Pat Oswalt, Oswalt made like ten million bucks for Blade Trinity. I'm guessing. Uh, he made ten million bucks for Blade Trinity. He made ten million bucks for Big Fan, and he made forty million dollars for the comedians of comedy. But he had to split it with the other three people. Oh, boo! I know. All right, Jason, take us home with our last comment. Don't make the joke. No jokes, Andrew Littlefield. Thank you for writing. We always like hearing from you. Good, but hard to watch and purposely ugly. It was well received. He should make more. Yeah, only movie Gary Oldman's ever directed. Uh, I'm sure Gary Oldman these days would make a movie about Eric Clapton uh, heroically uh, resisting a vaccine mandate or something. Uh, it would be, and you know what it would be called? Wonderful Tonight. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but thank you all to all who uh, commented on this episode. Thank you we, all to all. We love hearing from you. We do. Uh, I guess this is this is the third man episode. So uh, well, before we get to the third man, well, though, no, Jason, we, 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 I know, but I'm saying this is this is you know this is the last episode. Uh, we'll have comments for you know third man in future episodes, but mm-hmm. wow, it's crazy, huh? Crazy, crazy, crazy. Man, time flies. It sure does. But you know what doesn't fly? Uh, numbers on the BFI Top 100. Jason, yeah. I need to find out what number 97 is on the AFI Top 100. This is one of the last times we do this. This is this down to the wire. It's a big fight to the finish here. I need to know what No by Mouth is up against in the on the American side of things. Hit me. What number was it? 97. That is 2010's Grown Ups. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Grow well, up. And what movie did we watch? <laughs> we watched No by Mouth. No by Mouth. The All one right. we just spent okay. 10 minutes talking about. Well, this is an interesting companion movie. Uh, stop doing that. 
this is uh, 97 is, of course, the the obscure and, and much uh, uh, ignored uh, 1982 Ridley Scott joint uh, Blade Runner. <laughs> okay. Blade Runner. <laughs> Blade Runner. Blade Runner certainly has its own kind of depressing atmosphere, but uh, there's there's less women beating, isn't there? He doesn't hit Sean Young, does he? Uh, doesn't he, like, force himself on her, though, a little Yeah, bit? but that's fine, right? Yeah, because she's a robot. She's a robot. It doesn't matter. He, a- and he's a robot, too, I think, maybe. Maybe. That's all we got sex bots for, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Stick your dick in them. They don't care. And here come the sex robots. Shout out to my wonks. Weep, wop, wop, wop. That's not, I don't know if I was talking robot or chocobo. Um, I don't think chocobos talk. I think they just make bird noises. I think they say wee wah wah. I don't think they do. You know what they do? What do they, they do? They talk about this week's movie, Jason. Yes. I don't know if they do, but I'm killing it with these segues. Chocobos love the third so man. So I'm not going to stop doing these segues okay. ever. Never. Ever. Riding segues, doing segues, living that segue life. That's right. But it's time to talk about this week's movie. This is the last movie on the list. Jason, this is a big day. We're talking about the number one, the best British film of all British time. The Third Man. That's right, and I'm allowed to say it one more time, goddammit. That music can only mean one thing. We are talking about number one, one. on the BFI Top 100 list. The, 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 this list equivalent to the AFI Top 100 Citizen Kane. Number one, Brendan, is the cream of the crop. I rise to the top. I never eat a pig because a pig is a cop. Brendan, this is the top of the top. This I don't, is what these old people think is the greatest British movie ever made. No, I don't need you getting your your soapbox here, your 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 a cab bullshit <laughs> on this show, even though it's true. Um, well, there's, there's the cop in this movie is certainly a bit of a bastard. Yeah, the, and well, we'll get into it. But this movie, yes, the third man, Jason. This is directed by a man who we've talked about before because it is directed by Carol Reed, who directed Oliver! Exclamation mark. The musical. The musical version, yes. Number uh, one, Brendan, this is not a musical. Spoiler alert, this is I like this a lot more than Oliver. Yes. This <laughs> Which is I not, also didn't I didn't dislike, but you know what I mean. This is not a musical, but we can say right off the bat, the soundtrack in this movie is is a zither. But it's great. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's it's a weird choice, but it works. It's such an interesting choice because the third man is a film noir. Yeah. In all, for all intents and purposes, I don't think there's any way to argue that it isn't. It just, it just doesn't have look- that like femme fatale, I guess. Not really. No, but she's she's pretty secondary. The but uh, female she's character. yeah she well she's not a villain. No. I don't think. But um, this uh, well she's Austrian, so she's kind of a villain. She's kind of a for villain. being Austrian. Sorry True. to all of our listeners in Austria. You're all villains. Do we have any listeners in Austria? I think so. Oh, nice. Hi, Austria. We love you. <laughs> Hello, Austria. <laughs> yeah, that they they understood. 
That's how they talk there. You got to say it in their language, yeah, Jason. That's right. <laughs> but yes, um, Carol Reed directing this one. Sure. This is a movie released in 1949. Yes, sir. I believe, yes. 1949. Uh, four years after the end of the war. So probably mm. filming it three years after the end of the war. And we see a lot of that because there's a lot of rubble. There's a lot of rubble. Um, it takes place in Vienna, which is very much war-torn. Which uh, I, I have to look this up. I thought to look this up. I forgot to. Um, w- I don't know what Vienna went through as far as at the end of the war. Like I, well, We all know about Berlin and I mean, what Berlin they, went through. Yeah, and I mean, they were in Austria, so I don't imagine it was anything good. No, um, no. I mean, that's where Hitler was from. And we certainly see, you know, lots of, like you said, lots of rubble, lots of bombed out buildings mm-hmm. as the movie goes on. It's kind of in the background just to kind of remind you of, like, what is going on at mm-hmm. the time. Everything's just kind of crumbling. Well, and it's, it's actually got a similar setup to Berlin where there's the different zones that are occupied by the different major powers. Yeah. And, and then working a, in a kind of an international way to deal with the city. Yeah, we get a lot of power struggles or, like, people yep. wanting to stay out of each other's way because, yep. you know, I'm an Austrian, I'm an American, I'm a Brit, I'm, you know, whatever. Um, wherever you are, you don't want to end up in the Soviet zone. Wherever you are, I'll be with you. Do, 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 do. You didn't think there was going to be singing, right? Well, it's a good thing you're a terrible singer because we're not going to get DRM because Excuse of that. Excuse me? Yeah, I'm saying it. That picked up on the radars immediately. People knew what the fuck that was. Oh, did they? Yeah. The algorithm knows it? Yep. Okay. Well, then we're fucked. <laughs> Jason, this movie stars... Joseph Cotton of Citizen Kane of Citizen Kane, who we have not, I mean, is not on any other movie, no. of which is not surprising because he is an American actor. Yeah. Um, the greatest British movie of all time features an American actor and is set in Vienna. I, I think that's hilarious, <laughs> by the way. Um, we also have uh, Alida Valley uh, as Anna Schmidt. She's Credited our, just as Valley. Yeah. She's kind of like Cher. Nice. Um, we have returning to the podcast, Jason. I was very excited. Major Calloway is played mm. by Trevor Howard. He was the lead in Brief Encounter. Oh, that's why his head looked familiar. Yeah. Yeah, that shape. I recognize he was that the dude. Shape. I, I, Did I, he I have thought... a scar on his face like in that movie too? I don't I don't I don't I don't know because I think he had a lot of facial hair. Yeah. Wait, you're saying he plays the doctor that is like is is courting her? Or that is having the affair with her? Or are you saying it's He's the, the main guy having the affair. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, yes. But what I love about what I love about him being in this movie is that spoiler alert there's a scene later where they're in like that cafe by the by the train mm. and that looked like the same oh, cafe as wow. brief encounter so i was I like didn't even think about that wait a second <laughs> was Crazy. he like fellas i know a good location where you could shoot this was this guy in any other movies besides these two movies on the list no i mean it. goddamn if you're gonna be in two movies <laughs> one and two is a pretty good position to be in uh yeah that's true is brief counters two or three i think it's number two list? number two yeah. wow okay um we have uh paul horbiger as the porter um, yes, the German guy that speaks varying levels of English depending on when you talk to him. Ernst Deutsch as Baron Kurtz. He's got a he's got a real like British Peter Lorre kind of look to him. Uh, Eric Ponto as Doctor Winkel, which is a hilarious little uh, spelling gag. Yeah, well, when German, when, right? When he's supposed to be Doctor Winkel, and and uh, you know everybody pronounces it Doctor Winkel, so j- of course Joseph Cotton assumes that's you know it's Doctor Winkel, and he says no no no, it's actually Winkel. Winkel. Yeah. It seems like it's like a gag right out of a Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> um, we also have uh, Siegfried Brewer as Popes- Popescu. And Bernard Lee as Sergeant Payne. Wait. Bernard Lee of Q fame. Holy, wait, no, no, no. We use an M. 
Well, that's what I mean. It was Sorry. Desmond Llewellyn who was Q. Eminon, he was part of. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, Jason. So, so wait, you're saying Bernard Lee plays that sergeant. That uh, Wow, that's crazy. No yeah. idea. That's amazing. Sergeant Payne, yeah. Wonderful. And then last but not least, Jason, Orson Welles yes. as Harry Lime, inspiring the very drink we are having right now. Well, not quite. Because there is a drink called a Harry Lime, Brendan, and I looked it up. And it was just lime juice and vodka. And I don't want to fucking drink vodka. So instead, we got some... I said inspire. Yeah, so we got some soul beers because uh, I couldn't find a six-pack of Corona, and we just put limes in them. So. They're pretty good. They are good, yeah. Especially with the lime, a nice, nice, nice tinge to it. Yeah, no, limes are great. Uh, uh, gin and tonic and lime, that's fantastic. I want to try a scotch and soda, but use, like, bubbly lime in it. I bet you that'd be real good. I want to do uh, the top 100 concert movies of all time. And then for our drink, instead of drinking something, we just eat pop rocks the whole time. Because it's like pop and rock. It's like two music oh, genres in one. I, I see your joke. Yeah. You see my joke, and you look at it in the face, and you walk away. See, I thought you were going to say we were going to watch concert films, but then we would just like do heroin or something. Well... Oh, well, I mean, when we watch the Justin Bieber We're going to watch the top 100 Grateful Dead bootlegs. <laughs> I'm sure there's a top 100 concert films out there somewhere. There's got to be. I mean, there's uh, like, got to be at least 100. So this song was good. This song was pretty good. I like this song. Didn't care for this one. <laughs> I like this this specific performance of Take It Easy. Yeah. Did you notice that? Uh, and then a reoccurring segment will be, how high do you think they were? <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Could we, uh, could we get a list of the top 100 worst concert films of all time? Oh, uh, well, that means we're going to watch a bunch of, like, One Direction and f- strung out Fleetwood Mac in the Ooh. 80s or something. We're going to watch Spice World a number of times. My wife's going to kill me for saying that. How dare you, sir? I know. So the third man. It's number now, one. Now, what about the first and second men? I, w- I didn't see those movies. Do we need to catch up our audience on Oh, those? Lord. Okay, well, tell about the plot of the first and second man. So in the first man, that was uh, Neil Armstrong landing on the moon, which yeah. happens 20 years after this movie. Right. The second man. <laughs> Ryan Gosling, yeah. Uh, the second man, that was uh, uh, the first 10 minutes of uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. And then the third man is a this- movie about... Uh, the spy stuff not even spy stuff uh racketeering did you watch this <laughs> yeah no yeah it's all spies right yeah and then the, michael kane's the, in there and, and there's then the, a computer there's the best man with ty diggs uh best man christmas with i think just ty diggs what's again. your favorite tay diggs movie oh man so many to choose from <laughs> i don't want to have you ever confused my, i don't want to say a different movie and then someone's like oh that's eddie griffin you racist prick that's tyrese yeah, Fast Nine. <laughs> what were you gonna say? I don't even know. Um, I don't know why I'm acting like this. This is a great movie. I don't. It is. To, uh, we're just bullshitting, Jason. We're just bullshitting, Jason. Tell us uh, what is this movie about? What is this movie about? This movie, all the basic terms. So we've got uh, what is his name? Holly Holly Watkins. Holly Martins. Holly Martins, played by Joseph Cotton. Which is yes, Holly is a dumb name for a man. Uh, I'm sorry, Hollies, <laughs> if you're out there. Um. Wow, name shame. Uh, you could go by Hollis. You know, you sound like uh, Jimmy Kimmel at that one Oscars thing where he w- somebody told him his name and he was like, oh, and then someone said, my name is John. And he's like, that's a good name. And I was like, <laughs> well, it is a good name. It's all unless you're king. You Jimmy, don't want to be King John the second. I'll tell Jimmy, you that. you're getting into the boomer humor. <laughs> OK, sorry. Continue. Holly so, Martins. So Holly Martins is a writer of pulpy Western fiction. Yeah, like a bad writer, right? I don't know that he's bad. I but think he's he writes like, trash. 
He writes like dime store novels. Yeah, well, trash. I'm not saying I, trash I is bad. No, I, I, I don't even think it's necessarily trash. It's like, but it's like it's like kind of generic Western adventure fiction. Like, Jason, half of my podcast career is, that's is fine, trash. That's fine. I, mean, I have nothing against. Trash. I, I, I don't think of it as trash in the sense of it like being like sexual or, or explicit. Oh no, in that no. Way. I mean it's like just, just poorly written. Yeah, well, Which I mean, I'll, I'll bring up later. I'll bring it up later. Hey, I'll hey, wait. the Sarge likes the book, so we only have one guy that's talking about it, and he likes it. But there's something else. We'll get to it when we okay. get to so it. So anyways, he's a writer of some repute. Yeah. He gets invited to Vienna by his old pal, Harry Lyme, and Harry's got a job for him. He hasn't seen Harry in years, but they were like, they like grew up together, you know, the tight. So he goes over to Vienna and shows up, and sure enough, he gets there, and Harry's fucking dead. They're having his funeral. Yeah, and, and by the way, um, I want to point out right now, we don't see Orson Welles for, like, almost 90 minutes. Yeah. Like, maybe 75 to 80 minutes, of which I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, man, this could have really benefited from a 1995 7-esque campaign by not advertising that Orson Welles yeah, is Yeah, no, it. for sure, absolutely. That if he said, yeah, because how would that have blown people's minds if they're fucking watching this movie, and all of a sudden Orson Welles shows up? Now, I get back then they would want to sell this movie based on I Orson Welles I wonder, though, I wonder if they advertise it. Is was he in the was Kevin credits? Spacey at that time as much of a box office, like, n- known uh, in 1997 or whenever they made 95? that 95 was that? Because that was even before... Um, Usual Suspects, wasn't was it? Was it? I think so. Yeah, oh, I guess it was the same year. So it's not like he was super known at that time. No, but he had done enough stuff, I think. I guess it was a surprise. And, it, and it's certainly a surprise watching it now, and it's even more of a surprise watching it in 2021. I th- I'll tell you I, that. I wonder if we do overestimate the surprise of that, though, being in that it's in 1995, because I think well, people would have said, oh, I know who that actor is, but I don't think it would have had the reaction that that happened in, like, 2004. But I think I think they did intentionally not put his name in the credits. Oh, they didn't, for sure. For, for that reason, but also, yeah, like, like between 1995, or between, like, whenever he became big with, like, I don't know, K-Pax or something, and now... Yeah, well, that, that, was the, least, that was the one that launched his career. Launched his career. Uh, but between that point and then the point where he uh, turned out he was a creep, like, in that era, like, yeah. watching Seven is just like, fucking shit, it's Kevin Spacey! Uh, correction, he became a creep. He was never a creep before that day. No, that day, he just, he just suddenly spontaneously generated into a creep. Yeah. But we're not talking about Seven. We're talking about fucking... Uh, uh, Harry Lime, who doesn't show up until all the way into this movie. And you're right. It would have been better if they hadn't told anybody, but they wanted to sell this it's movie also based movie, on Orson Welles. It's also a movie that was released in 1949. You can't expect to go into this and not know that Orson Welles uh, I mean, he was a huge star. Yeah. Massive. Been a big star for like 20 years. And not physically yet. Still svelte. Oh, man. This is Orson Welles in his prime. This, this is not like Orson Welles in A Man for All Seasons. He gets just a smidge more screen time in this movie. But he, he's like prime Orson Welles. He's young. He's virile. He's he's smooth shaven. He's not dr- if he is drunk, it doesn't look like he's drunk. No, he seems very very like you know calm, cool, collected. And he he's he, so fucking good. He's so magnetic when he's on screen. I can't I I I, I can't help myself when it comes to Orson Welles. I'm such a fucking like little girl about. You just got to take it like, out and start fapping. <gasps> I mean, it's hard not to. It's yeah. hard not to. And it. it's already hard. Wow. So, yeah, he does get invited, and then Harry Lyme, it turns out, is dead, quote-unquote. We find out, obviously, that's not the case later on. Um, and so he's kind of doing his own little investigation yeah. into... into Like a lot of other movies we've seen of people that, you know, that aren't, like, officially police or anything, but they decide they want to get involved and figure out what's going on. Kind of like uh, uh, the Michael Caine one, uh, Get Carter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. Although, Although I would argue that um, Holly is a much uh, more positive character. He certainly, he certainly beats up a lot less people in the process. A lot less women, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I would say he gets beat up more than anything else. 
He does. He gets popped in the mouth, but was it the Sarge that pops him in the mouth, or was it actually Callaway? No, when he's talking about the Sarge, uh, oh, sorry, yeah, no, when he's talking to the police officer, the guy, the his buddy, the Sarge comes in and punches him, thinking that he's going to punch the police officer. But then he's like, "Oh wait, you're the author. Hey, I love your books." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he comes into town. There's a funeral. He finds that Harry Lime is dead. He's investigating. Eventually, he finds out that Harry Lime is very much not dead, and that he was involved in some really, really bad racket, mm. um, uh, selling shitty penicillin to hospitals, to children's hospitals, mm. <laughs> where kids are literally thinking they're taking penicillin, and then years later, either going insane or dying. Which I don't know if that's, uh, I don't know if that's a thing that happens from diluted penicillin. Well, no, I don't think it's happening from the diluted penicillin. I think it's happening because the penicillin was not strong enough to actually yeah. cure what they yeah, had, suppose, like, men- yeah. like meningitis. That's true, that can spe- neurologically affect you for sure. Yeah, so they give it to them, and they're like, oh, your meningitis is cured, be off. Hmm. Yeah, it's a real it's a real scumbag position. And then and that's the thing is that when we finally kind of meet Harry, when we see him for the first time, we have a conversation with him. Of course, Thorsten Wells, right? He's super charismatic. He's super like just magnetic. Yeah. And it's hard and you understand why uh uh Martin's is friends with him. Mm-hmm. Why they get along. Childhood but, friends. Childhood friends. Yeah, they go way back. And it's crazy it, to see them on screen together by the way, knowing, you know, having seen Citizen having Kane. Having seen Citizen Kane where they, you know, made one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. Uh, is it number one? That's a different podcast. Citizen Kane is number one on the AFI. Now, uh, the, the, the Unspooled People, did that end up being any of their number ones? I think it was their number one. I think it just stayed there. Just stayed there. That's understandable. Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. Um, I'm an American. I've always been an American. <laughs> I know this is late in the movie, but this, you, you brought up Orson Welles, and we got to talk about Orson Welles, obviously. Let's hear his, uh, his justification, maybe, because he talks about the racket, yeah. and he talks about you know what he does to uh to holly and uh let's just let's just hear some of that old man you never should have gone to the police you know you ought to leave this thing alone have you ever seen any of your victims you know i never feel comfortable on these sort of things victims be melodramatic look down there would you really feel any pity if one of those Dots stop moving forever. If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money? Or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spare? Free of income tax, only. Free of income tax. The only way you can save money nowadays. A lot of good your money will do you in jail. That jail's in another zone. There's no proof against me. Besides you. Pretty easy to get rid of. Pretty easy. Wouldn't be too sure. I carry a gun. Don't think they'd look for a bullet wound after you hit that ground. Dug up your coffin. And found Harbin? He's so good. But Jason, you wanted to clarify something for this. Yeah, scene. so we mentioned that he faked his death. So basically it boiled down to the, the story was that he had gotten run over by a car when he went to see um uh the Baron. Yeah. Who's a German guy or Austrian guy. Austrian. How Austrian. dare you? They're in Vienna, it's Austria. They're not the same thing. Just because they speak the same language, British and Americans are not the same. Um 
but yeah, so the story was that he had gotten run over by a car and that three men had carried him off. Or at least that was what the uh, the, the custodian at the building said, right? Yeah. Right? Um, and then, of the course... The porter. The porter, right? And so he finds out that one of them was, was the Baron, Kurtz. Uh, another one was this um, Romanian guy, Ciescu or something. Pulescu. Pulescu. Yeah. <laughs> and then they say there's a third man. Oh, and then the, the doctor well, ran over afterwards. And then, but yeah. then before that, the porter claims there was a third man. Claims there was a third man there. And the, but uh, the Romanian guy and the Baron both claim there was only two. Right. It was just the two of them that did it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that becomes, that throws it into the mix. And then, of course, later on, we learn because it was fake death. It must have been the young guy, the uh, dude that ended up in the grave that got run over. And fucking Lime was the third man dragging right. him along. Yeah. Hence the title. The third man. God save the queen. All right. Bye-bye. No, we can't end yet. I've got another beer to drink. <laughs> so I think we mentioned it briefly, but I um, I want to talk about the zither a little bit more. Sure. Because the zither's great. It and is. this is so unusual for a mm. film noir especially because you think like you know these movies have like they, they're very dark they have like you think brooding think, like, like music stand-up bass or some jazz or something yeah. like that like kind of of the air so you don't music. expect to hear like and i think we've t- covered a lot of movies where sometimes they try it and it's great yeah. and sometimes they try it and we're just like that yeah. does not work it just does not it doesn't feel it feels disjointed with what you're trying to achieve i think of the scene in my left foot which i, I otherwise love yeah. that scene where he's looking at his foot and it's playing that really dramatic like dun, dun, yeah. <laughs> and it's like okay okay yeah. yeah um the zither in this movie is interesting because at the beginning like that the sound of it is very like <laughs> like 1950s like Hawaiian movie kind mm. of uh, vibe to well, it. Well, I saw a lot of I saw a couple of negative comments. Most people were saying, you know, how great it was, but a couple of negative comments said that it reminded them of SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, no, absolutely because it's got that vibe to it. But and you hear that in the credits, but then you watch the movie and it's completely appropriate for everything that happens. Like yeah. it doesn't you watch the movie, the sound at least to me, the soundtrack does not stick out as inappropriate. It sticks out as perfectly suited for what they're doing. Which is amazing because it shouldn't, <laughs> really. Yeah, a hundred percent. And 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 it creates tension. Like there's scenes where where it's a very dramatic scene, and instead of getting that like, oh, we get, and it just makes you uneasy because you're like, wait a second, this isn't what I'm supposed to be hearing right now. Mm. Like it it creates a sort of uh, there's a sort of unease. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, interesting to note is also as a post-war thriller, a post-war film noir, whatever, sure. post-war film, um, because again, a lot of stuff about these like uh, four different cultures, um, at kind of a crossroads that people don't, like I said, people don't want to mess with each other. People don't want to step on each other's foot. You know, it's a very tense time in Vienna, obviously. Was this a make work project for ex, uh, Nazi Austrian production crews? Come again? <laughs> I mean, like, like you know, you're employing a bunch of because they. If this was actually filmed in Vienna, I don't know that it was. I, it, I mean, it looks like it was, but who who am I to say? Did you ever look that up? Do you know? I, I mean, there's there's Austrian actors in this movie. They probably have an Austrian crew. Like, is it a make work project for these poor uh, destitute Austrians in the post war Europe? Maybe. Either way, it works because the movie is uh, uh, quite good. Maybe I should now explain my point earlier where I said I think Holly Martins in this movie, Joseph Cotton playing him, is a bad writer. This is uh, this is what this is my hypothesis. Okay. All right. 
I mean, I'm not claiming he's like Shakespeare or anything. No, but I th- I think he's an actively bad writer. Okay. And so, like you said, he writes these pulpy westerns that the Sarge certainly likes. That's the you know the cop like Trevor Howard's kind of assistant mm. who's always with him. Um, but he gets invited to because <laughs> the Sarge really likes him. And he recommends him to some like lecture dude, like yeah. a guy who who stages lectures or stages events because he says, "Oh yes, last week we had Shakespeare, and the week before that we had Indian belly dancers or something." Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. but he striptease. <laughs> yeah, but he asks him to to go and do like a literature lecture, and we kind of forget about it for a while, and then later in the movie, he gets kind of like thrown in a car. It's like, your car's here! And he's yeah. like, oh, great, I've got a car. This totally- is a wonderfully modern fake-out. Like, yeah. This is a great scene where he, it, you think he's getting like like shuttled away and as part of this conspiracy, because yeah. the guy's driving like a maniac, but then he shows up just to this fucking lecture hall to drop him off for this lecture that he agreed to do earlier in the movie. And he drove like a maniac because yeah. he was going to be late. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it also kind of reminds me a little bit of that scene in the 39 steps or he pretends to be that politician not that he pretends to be yeah. anything but it's just got the same vibe i yeah. found but okay so he gets there and yes he's unprepared because he forgot about it but i think he's not a good writer let's listen to him field some questions here yeah well i i suppose that is what i meant to say of course of course of course do you believe mr martins in the stream of consciousness Ooh. Stream of consciousness. Well, uh, well. Uh, what author has chiefly influenced you? Gray. Gray? What Gray? Zane Gray. Oh, that's Mr. Martin's little joke, of course, sir. We all know perfectly well Zane Gray wrote what we call westerns, cowboys and bandits. Mr. James Joyce. Now, where would you put him? Oh, would you mind repeating that question? I said, where would you put Mr. James Joyce? In what category? Can I ask, is Mr. Martins engaged on a new book? Yes. It's called The Third Man. A novel, Mr. Martins? It's a murder story. I've just started it. It's based on fact. Why, it's Mr. Popesco. Oh, very great pleasure to see you here, Mr. Popesco. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Popesco is a very great supporter of one of our medical charities. Are you a slow writer, Mr. Martin? Not when I get interested. I'd see you were doing something pretty dangerous this time. Yeah? Mixing fact and fiction. Should I make it all fact? By no, Mr. Martins. I'd say stick to fiction. Straight fiction. I'm too far along with the book, Mr. Petesco. Haven't you ever scrapped a book, Mr. Martins? Never. Pity. <laughs> So the second half of that scene is great because yes. that's when Popesco comes in that is, and starts messing with him. Yes, no, that is one of those wonderful scenes. Double of entendre like, kind uh, of thing. Two people talking about something but having a completely different conversation than what they're actually saying to each other. Right, so I love that. But I swear to God, that first part of the scene shows yeah. that he is an incompetent writer. I, I disagree, Brendan. I disagree 100%. What that shows to me is that he is maybe not a well-read like read author or well-read writer like... They're talking about, you know, they ask him about uh, James Joyce. Now, have you they asked him what stream of consciousness meant? Yeah, and, and maybe in 1949, that was something that you would have to be like in the academic circles of Europe to kind of understand as a thing. Come on. Come on. But they also like, they ask him about James Joyce. Now, Brendan, have you read James Joyce? Jason, I've read all of the James Joyce all of the time. What's your favorite James Joyce book? Uh, I'd have to say Running Man. That's a great book, but that's a Richard Bachman novel. Uh, I think you mean Stephen King. I think you mean to shut up. 
I have not read James but Joyce. But I am not a writer, Jason. Do you know do you know how many people I know who have read James Joyce? One. And is he a writer? He is a writer. There you go. But that's not the point. <laughs> I didn't think about that through. Uh, I didn't think that through. Uh, but but look, he's he's obviously not a, uh, he's not an academic. This guy is a working man's writer. He asks him whose influences are, and he says Zane Grey, and he's like, oh, he makes a little joke. But no, that's exactly who influences him, and probably Louis L'Amour and like other Western writers. He's probably seen Stagecoach a million times in the you know at the theater, like. You know, this is 1949. Like, Westerns are big business in the United States and will continue to be so for a number of years. Godsmoke, which hasn't even started yet, Brendan, on TV, will run through the fucking 70s. Do you think he would have been a big Paint Your Wagon fan? Uh, gonna paint the wagon, gonna paint it fine. Gonna use oil-based paint because the wood is pine. Have you actually seen Paint Your Wagon? No. Me neither. I, I don't intend to anytime soon. Well, we should do it for a podcast. Oh. That would be perfect for what were they thinking, because uh, you're going to ask, what were they thinking? Probably, but I feel like it's a two and a half hour musical, and I don't want Nathan to die on the show. Oh, man, I would love to torture Nathan that way. Nathan, if you're listening, and you're not, but if you're listening, I want to torture you. <laughs> Nathan, if you're listening, you're not. I want you to be my bride. <laughs> oh. You well, heard you're, it here you're, first, folks. You already got that nice anniversary message from The Godfather, so. <laughs> hey. You know what? I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So again, also going back to this whole thing being a film noir, the cinematography is really interesting, and it's also so you watch it and you it for a second you're like, oh, you know, I've seen this before, but this is 1949. You this have is- seen this before because you have watched Battlefield Earth. <laughs> well, let's talk about how much better the Dutch angles are in this movie. They're 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 not quite as Dutch, but uh, they serve a fucking purpose. Yes, yes, they in do. In Battlefield Earth, they're just like eh, Dutch Why angle. Why not? Oh, <laughs> it's like man. a comic book. Why not? But there's really um, interesting uses of that Dutch angle. Like aside from that, also we have like that cool lighting effect where it's oh, like yeah. the blinds, and you just see like her eyes lit the up. Classic and... film noir technique with that yeah. black and white photography, which wouldn't have been old hat at the time, mm. I don't think. And you get that whole. Um, I mean, there were film noirs in the I'd 30s, say, like, obviously. Like the but... 39 Steps certainly had had a lot of that. Sure, um, but. But the Dutch angles in this movie are utilized really interestingly. Like, there's a scene where, okay, so Holly Martins has kind of teamed up with Anna, who is, like, um, uh, Harry Lyme's, like, lover. Yes. And she's, like, a singer and a dancer and everything, and she's kind of helping him along. And there's a scene where he goes to the porter to get information. And the porter at this point has gotten a little sheepish. He's like, you know, I think I should probably stop giving you information because I'm going to get myself in trouble. There's powerful people in this city. They're going to get me. And it goes to a Dutch angle. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Like I thought someone was going to get hurt or something, but really all that happens is a child enters the room and sees this whole thing go down. And not a lot of focus is put on him, but we get enough to see him. And then later in the movie, the porter is killed and the, and and the child is there, and the last thing he saw was Holly in the room arguing with the porter. And mm. I thought it was really interesting that they set that up with a Dutch angle earlier on yeah. to get you to remember that. Because yeah. then it kind of ties in. You're like, oh, right. That's why that mm. kid was there. Everything in this movie, like the screenplay in this movie is flawless. Like mm. it's just everything ties together so nicely. Yeah, I noticed that especially with the way the movie opens and the way the movie ends. There's a there's a symmetry to it where the movie opens up with Harry Lyme's funeral and then the movie closes with Harry Lyme's second and real funeral. I wonder if that ties into Graham Greene, the writer of this movie, mm. because... He, 
you told me before we started recording, he also did Brighton Raw. Yes, that was the one that on the list that we also had watched. And that was that was one that felt like to me like a perfect screenplay that yeah. everything tied together so nicely. Uh, there were callbacks to things that there were there were little things that became important later, and. I mean, I think I think that just speaks to how good of a writer he is. Also, about a similar gangster character. Although I would say that Richard Attenborough's character in that movie was a little more crazy than Harry Lyme is. He, he's he's definitely more of an id than Harry yeah. Lyme is. Yeah. Um, and I want to play. I actually want to play the scene where the kid kind of alerts the crowd, and then I want to talk about it later because you're going to hear a lot of people not speaking in English, mm. and then we'll tell you a little fact about that well, after this I'll, clip. I'll, I'll spoil it. it. They're speaking German. <laughs> not that fact but okay <laughs> this is when this is when holly shows up to the porter's house and finds out there's a crowd gathering around and the porter has been killed uh, what is uh blows uh, I, I don't understand um porter uh, uh, dead kaput uh, the porter is kaput he's murdered what's <laughs> this really cool about that scene is that and and like all the rest of the movie anyone who's not speaking in english no one is subtitled no so anytime there is a so that scene for a while we don't quite know what's going on the kid is just getting very excited i'm sure i mean i think after a while you're like oh wait that kid was in the room earlier yeah. but you don't get it spelled out to you the guys are kind of looking at each other they're muttering under their breath they're speaking a different language are they speak they're speaking german yeah yeah that's what they speak in Austria. okay um, so speaking German, and then of course we just get that very quick moment where Anna is like, "Oh, they think you killed the porter," um, and then it's just this building tension, and and you really get put in like Joseph Cotton's shoes, like in Holly's shoes, because he doesn't know what the fuck anyone's saying. He doesn't speak German, and so as a result, we don't we don't get to see what anyone's saying. Can I ask you a question? We gotta talk no. about. <laughs> you may not. <laughs> I am not an open book. I am a closed. Uh, I want you to think of me more of as a myth. But you know what? Just this one time, you may ask me a question. Well, thanks. No I, want, I want to talk about Anna a little bit. Played, of course, by Alita Valley. Um, she is great. Yeah. I think she's wonderful in the movie. She has a very minor role in this movie. She's not... like Like, this is the sort of role that you would generally assume to be the love interest, but... But this really work that way. No, it kind of turns it on its head, which is really yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, and I appreciate that. Um, by the way, a big point of contention between Carol Reed and uh, Graham Greene, which we'll talk about in a bit once we get to that ending. But 
Um, she's great, and what I really liked about her is um, they have this whole subplot with her mm. where she was with Harry Lyme. Like, that was, you know, they were very close. Yep. She she loved him anyway. Mm. Don't know so much about the other way around, although he did get her papers fixed for her so that she could basically forge her way into staying in the country. Yeah, because it turns out she's actually from Czechoslovakia. That was going to be my question, Jason. Yeah. I, you're the big history guy. So what was the, is- what was the issue with well, Russia it, and Czechoslovakia? Well, that's the thing. is like, so... At the end of the war, you had kind of had an option as a German citizen. You had, could uh, run to the American lines or you could run to the Soviet lines. And most people were smart enough to understand that if you wanted to maybe not end up in a gulag, you would run to the American lines. Not everybody had that option, and it depended on where you were from, I believe. And in this case, she was from Czechoslovakia, which was an area that was under um, Russian control. So she was afraid of being sent back there. So she got papers forged to say that she was from Austria so she could stay there. Uh, but pretty quickly, when her papers are examined by uh, Major Calloway, uh, he pretty quickly determines that they are forged. Yeah. Um, thanks to a, uh, I think a Russian guy <laughs> helps helps figure figure that out. Yeah, because they, they work in an office where they're liaising with the, because of course, if you'll remember folks, at the end of World War II, the major I remember. powers. I remember well. You remember it well. I was there. You were there. Uh, the major powers at the end of World War II were England, France, the United States, and, Turkey. and Russia. Oh, and they had, and they were the ones that controlled the different zones and various Turkey? places. So they were all working together at that point. Even nineteen by nineteen forty nine, which I think, or was it forty six when the Berlin airlift happened? There had been some tension, but they were still kind of working together on administrating these areas. Jason, rank it right now. I want you to rank the country Turkey on the all time greatest countries list, one through <laughs> nine hundred eighty five. Do it. Well, it used to be cool, but lately they've got a president who I'm happy to say on this podcast, and if it gets us banned in Turkey, Brendan, I don't care. Erdogan, go fuck yourself. We have li- we do actually have listeners in Turkey. Hey guys, uh, I'm sorry if the podcast doesn't come back, but I'm saying it right now. Erdogan, go fuck yourself. But Jason, seriously, Turkey, uh, rank it in the countries. I need a num- uh, number. I will say it's seventy-five. Oh wow, yeah, one no. to nine sixty-five. You're saying seventy-five? Yeah, seventy-five. Right? Because you know, I don't know if you top, know this. Top tier, like in the top part. But I, I don't know if you know there's this. Like two hundred countries, Brendan. There's nine hundred sixty-five countries. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but you, 70, you include the Martian countries, sure. I include other planets too, yeah, obviously, and other solar systems. We, we have we we have connections to the future, so we know what's going to happen. And like Star Wars characters, I include. And Luke Skywalker is a nation unto himself. Yeah, uh, Bejeweled Rounds. Ooh, I love um, Bejeweled. That's a great game. Uh, 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 solitaire. Uh, Space Cadet Pinball. Game modes. Space Cadet Pinball. Now we're just saying things. <laughs> uh, Sean Connery. File Explorer. Uh, fireworks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> file, ex- file Explorer. Well, so we were talking about Windows games, so I just said, well, File Explorer, because it's in Windows. You know, the thing about File Explorer is you can find everything there. That's right. You check it out, folks. File Explorer. It's right on your desktop. <laughs> you don't even have to download a thing. Nope. It's right there. It's if you're not right sure, in. do a search on your desktop. Type in File Space Explorer. Unless you're on a Mac, then look for Finder. <laughs> and I'll, I'll deliver a hot take right now. If you have a Mac, go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself, man. Come on. Says the guy with the iPhone. Fuck you. So I wanted to listen to this scene with Anna because I think we got, again, we talk about her a little bit. Sure. Where she is basically used as uh, as as currency mm. because they say, okay, Anna, we're going to, uh, Holly is very much in, in love with Anna, I think. 
Um, it's very one sided. I don't think he thinks. I don't think he sees that she's in love with. I don't think she's in love with him at all. Brendan, this is an example of that classic male uh, failing of of having a girl that is nice to you, and then you assume that there's more there than there is. Well, Jason, I don't know what you're talking about because I got so many girls in love with me. Yeah, it's not I know even you did. funny. I know you were uh, you were a real uh, Casanova. Everybody I work with is totally in love with me. <laughs> Your office has some great orgies, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice of you to come by, even though you don't work there. Ah, they're happy to have me. I'm the life of the party. I tell a lot of jokes. So anyway, <laughs> I was like, I better continue or else I'm going to forget what I was going to say. <laughs> so she she is. Yeah, she's kind of used this currency because uh, Holly is told, look, we'll get her. We'll, we'll keep her safe. We'll get her out of here. Back to I'm assuming back to Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, no, that's not where she would want to safely go back. They would probably want to send her somewhere else in the Western somewhere zone. Somewhere else, yeah. They're going to, we'll get her out of here somewhere send safe. Send her to West Germany if, or something. If you help us get Harry Lyme, because at this point, um, Holly has told the cops, he's told Trevor Howard, you know, I, Harry's alive, and he's got this, like, underground tunnel that he goes into to hide, and he's out there. The and sewer, we're, Yeah, the sewer. Yeah, underground tunnel. <laughs> that's where the the same place the ninja, ninja turtles are from yeah absolutely um so he's like i'll help you uh, i'll help you get him um if you guarantee her safety or whatever and this is when he's there he's kind of making sure that that happens but then she kind of isn't okay with that and let's let's take a listen i watched you onto the train uh, no harm in that is it how did you know i'd be here well, i heard something about it at police headquarters have you been seeing Major Calloway again? Of course not. I don't live in his pocket. Harry, what is it? For heaven's sake, stop calling me Harry. I'm sorry. What's in your mind? Why did you hide here? Hide? Kind of fella, have a drink? Here, it'll be cold on that train. I shall be all right. You send me a wire as soon as you are. What's going to happen? Where is Harry? He's safe in the Russian zone. How do you know? Well, I saw him today. How is he? He can look after himself. Don't worry. Did he say anything about me? Tell me. What were the usual things? There's something wrong. Did you tell Calloway about meeting Harry? Of course Harry? I didn't tell Calloway. Why should he help me like that? The Russians will only make trouble for him. That's his headache. His? Oh, well. Why are you lying? We're getting you out of here, aren't we? I'm not going. You... Adam, don't you recognize a good turn when you see one? You have seen Calloway. What are you two doing? Well, they... They asked me to help take him. I'm helping. Poor Harry. Poor Harry. Poor Harry. Wouldn't even lift a finger to help you. Oh, you've got your precious honesty and don't want anything else. You still want it. I don't want him anymore. I don't want to see him, hear him, but he's still a part of me, that's a fact. I couldn't do a thing to harm him. to sell your services i'm not willing to be the price so 
I like the trades in this movie. Thomas, get out of here. It's not time for you. I just love the trades. The British love trades. They don't love you. Oh, they do, though. I'm a famous, I'm a famous British trade. No, you're not. Get out of here, Thomas. Oh, jetpack. I'm really glad you got rid of him quick. I know. He's an asshole. He's, but he's he does make a point, though. The British love their trains. We've seen trains in so many movies, and there's a train in this movie. Well, trains are such a good dramatic device, I think. Everyone loves a train, Brendan. Right. But what I really like about that scene is that Anna is, unlike a lot of female characters, I would assume in the 40s, mm. um, is portrayed rather strongly here. Yeah, because no, she's she like, doesn't fuck around. No, she's like, no, 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 no. You don't get to make a deal mm. and fuck over this guy that I'm very much in love with. Yeah. Um, to set me free like I'm not willing to be the price yeah he thinks he's being like chivalrous or, or doing some nice thing for her by selling out this guy that she does not want to be sold out even though he probably should be sold out given what he's been doing and I and I wonder I wonder again going back to my theory that he is a not a very good writer I wonder if he thinking of all the stories that he writes is yes. like this is how it's gonna go wow. this is what I write about this this is how it goes I, I save the day I got her out of the country, and I'm going to get the girl. That's incredibly astute of you. I had not even considered that, but absolutely. This guy writes like trash fiction, as you say. Like, uh, he's, he's, these kind of rote, trope-filled stories. And, yeah, in his mind, the things he's doing will allow him to get the girl, which has been a, a trope that is, you know, rotted the minds of men for many years. The idea that we're somehow deserving of sexual relations because we did something nice for a lady. It's like, oh, I bought you a fucking cake, lady. Now suck my dick. Oh. But it doesn't work like that. What movie is that from? Uh, Ford Fairlane? (laughs) Probably. 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 I haven't seen it. There's also a koala in that movie. Oh. But yeah, no, I just kind of like, that's what I thought. I thought that was... uh, That that was my theory. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I, I appreciate that. I'm glad you saw that. Um, and, and that doesn't change. That's the thing. So in this movie, we get this amazing finale. Oh, man. In the, the tunnels. scene in this movie. Or the last few scenes. In the, so we get the tunnel chase, which is fantastic, is, is, is one of the great noir, uh, like, like lighting experiments. Lighting, like it looks the, so editing, good, the editing, the, the shots are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Basically chasing Harry through the sewers as he tries to get away. The underground and tunnels. Is, in the underground tunnels. Uh, where he's. Like this, it, this chase takes a little while, and it's like he's slowly being closed in on. He'll go one way, guys show up. He turns around, he goes a different way. He runs for a while. He seems like he's getting away. More guys show up. He's getting like boxed in, basically, as this thing continues on until finally, you know, he's kind of cornered by, uh, well, by fucking Martins for so. Okay, so this doesn't make a lot of sense that they just give this guy a gun and he's like, yeah, shoot him. <laughs> Don't make that mistake. Shoot him, Martins. You know. Yeah, well, and 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 I mean, I think they really have to push him as a villain in this scene because Lime actually does kill the Sarge. He right? does uh, the Sarge, the most lovable guy in the movie. He just yeah. loves the guy's books, and he's lovely, even though he punched him. He still comes across as like the coolest guy in the movie because I think. Well, I wonder if this is a studio note. Yeah, well, I being mean, like it's... you got to before he dies because. Yeah. You know, we're we're a little hesitant about how yeah. evil he is. Maybe make him real evil. Well, because that's the thing is like he's so likable, even though he's doing this horrible thing by by you know cutting this uh, uh, insulin and making money off. Of and him. I mean that scene where where Trevor Howard insulin. takes Not him to insulin, the children's the fucking penicillin. When Trevor Howard takes him to the children's hospital, yeah. that scene is rough. Yeah, he's you basically see, like, the showing teddy bears them the results and yeah. the cribs, the broken cribs. And we everything. don't even see the kids, but no. we see the reactions on their faces. We see enough. To yeah. to know that uh, yeah it's a great scene but yeah so 
that that whole thing happens, and then crazily, Holly just fucking straight up shoots him and kills him. Like yeah. he kills Harry Lime, yeah. and it's done in a way that's like. Okay, so it was done in a way where I thought there was going to be something else. Like, he goes off screen. Exactly. I thought, oh, is shot Because Harry already fucking faked his death once. Why yeah. not again? He's like, oh, it's my old buddy. I'm not actually going to kill him. I thought it was going to be like uh, like the Fast and the Furious or, or like Point Break where Patrick Swayze's going over the wall and Keanu Reeves just shoots up into the air like, ah! But as you say, I think the, the kind of moral climate of the era demanded that... that he plug him at that. He point. has to. Yeah, he yeah. has to. That you can't have the criminal getting away with it. Now, obviously, this was made in Britain. This is not where the Hayes Code was in effect. No, but, but they're still following but similar you, things. Exactly. You you yeah. did have a film censor that was much more active. You don't want to be a, in the United States. You don't want to be a video nasty. No, absolutely. You I don't, don't think that headbutt someone and get banned from Britain. <laughs> I don't think that existed in 1949. Well, the video didn't really. Excuse me. Did you lift a leg while you kissed her? That's a video nasty, that is. Wop wop. But uh, um, yeah. So that so he kills him, and then but then the way this like kind of subverts. The whole like, oh, everything has to end as a happy ending, blah, yeah. blah, blah, is that he does this big heroic thing where he's talking to Callaway, Trevor yeah. Howard, and he's talking, which, by the way, a hilarious running joke is that he keeps saying Callahan. He's like, I'm not Irish, I'm not it's Irish, Callaway. Yeah. And then at one, one point he says Callahan and Sarge goes, that sounds anti-British. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's having this conversation with, with him. It's this big triumphant thing. And then he's like, he sees Anna and he's like, you know what? Let me off here. Let me off here. I want to, I want to go, I want to go talk to her. And Callaway's right there like, we got to get you to the airport, man. Yeah, we got you to the airport. And he's Come like, on. no, 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 it's fine. And so he lets him out and he stands there and he waits for Anna. And the movie does this great thing, like yeah. Lawrence of Arabia-esque thing, where we wait for her to come from all the way yeah. down the street. We just have a static shot, this beautifully framed kind of Wes Anderson-like center shot down the street. We have him standing off to the left side by a cart where he's placed his bag. And he's just standing there waiting for her. And she walks up the street. And it takes, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. She walks right at the middle of the street. And as she approaches him, she keeps her eyes forward. And she keeps fucking walking. She does. She walks right by him. And then he kind of watches her. And then dejectedly lights a cigarette. And the movie ends. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, again. And, and I'm just like... I know this is not meant to be a happy ending, but I was kind of satisfied at that. I was satisfied with that. Because it, not that it, Holly is like a bad guy. No, no, but no. A, but she's a, she's she's a own, nice guy. She's her own person. She's not a slave to some dude who just thought he was doing right to save her when, in fact, it was not what she wanted. And she loved Harry Lyme regardless. She did. Yeah. And the fact that this dude's responsible for the murder of Harry Lyme now, why would she want to associate with him? Well, and it's funny because we go back up again. We're going to go back to Brighton Rock because mm. at the end of that movie, that girl is very much in love with Pinky. Yeah. Not knowing what he said in that on, on that monogram, oh, record, yeah. monograph or whatever. Even yeah. At the end. And thankfully, the record skips for her benefit. But I think that's the most tragic thing yes, of the whole sure. thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, but like it, it just reminded me of that movie. So maybe that's the thing that Graham Greene is really into is that the, you know, the maybe that wasn't what the girl wanted. Yeah, I think Graham Greene was kind of a, 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 a not transgressive is not the right word, but like a really like boundary pushing guy. A bit, in a bit progressive yeah. in terms of that. Yeah. Like it, in a normal film noir would either have, you know, she would turn out to be a straight up villain mm. or she would just hook up with the main character. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, uh, yeah. Or the main character would get pushed to do something he shouldn't have and he would get killed too. Or she would get killed at some point and give him a reason to fucking you know, keep doing what he's doing. An extra reason even. Yeah. Or or Harry would kill her, and then that would give him even more like moral ability to like murder him and be cool with it. Exactly, and that's not what that that's not what happens. No. But Jason, I do want to play the greatest line in this movie, and it's a totally improvised line from Morrison Wells. Wow. Let's hear it. 
Mentally, for 30 years under the Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. So long, Holly. <laughs> Such a great line. So cynical, but also great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and apparently it was improvised because they they basically had to fill in a little bit of time there. Mm. And that's why he was like, uh, the Swiss produced the cuckoo clock. Now, I don't know if folks uh, listening here have ever like watched any interviews with Orson Welles. I, if you haven't, I highly recommend you do. He is... Again, he's as magnetic in interviews as he is on screen. Oh, yeah. He is such a fascinating character with such interesting stories, and and whether they're true or not, he tells them so fantastically. And just a guy who, of his time, such a modern performer. Yeah, absolutely. like you could do this same performance now, and it yeah. would be people would be like, "Holy shit, that's oh, incredible!" If Orson Welles was for some reason still alive and and somehow not like a massive corpulent mess and was able to still act, he would still be able to act. I believe fucking, you know, like 110-year-old Orson Welles, he could do it. Yeah, he would just have to be a lot of the similar characters to uh, Man for All Seasons. Yes. <laughs> a lot of sitting down in his roles. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, any other big... I know we didn't we didn't touch on everything. There's probably maybe still a few big things you want to well, talk about. Well, we'll see. Uh, I have notes, but like like often happens with movies I'm really enjoying, I didn't take as many notes as uh, maybe if I didn't enjoy the movie. <laughs> but we'll see what we got. All right. Well, should we move on to Bits and Bobs then? Let's do it, Brendan. All right. We're going to move on to Bits and Bobs. But before that, we're going to take a break and hear from some of our sponsors. So stick around. Yes, this is Orson Welles, and I invite you to listen to Age of Radio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's the final bits and bobs. It's the final bits and bobs. Because it's time for bits and bobs with Jason and sometimes Brendan chimes in as well. And I do this so that Jason gets annoyed because he thinks I'm stealing it from someone else. But I'm not because I've done this for years before I even heard an episode of the Flophouse. Yeah, well, you knew who I I was going to say you were stealing it from. You should all listen to the Flophouse. Look, I know it's not in my interest, but Elliot Kalen, if you're listening, and why wouldn't you be? Uh, please sue Brendan. Please sue me, because then it means I could meet you. <laughs> in court. You, so you can write your accuser. Digital court. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Dune, Elliot. Thanks and Bob's with Jason, and sometimes Brendan. Did you notice, Brendan, that it's it's how quaint... Uh, Airline food? Yeah. I know. Did you notice how quaint the uh, production logo was at the beginning where it was called Big Ben Productions and they just showed a picture of Big Ben? It was called London Productions, I believe. Or London Productions, whatever. But it just showed a picture of Big Ben. Yeah. yeah. No animation, no nothing. I also love how right after that, not only do we get the zither music, yeah. I'm sorry, not 
uh, not theremin. a theremin like you told me. It made me look like a fool to my friend. Um, you're welcome. But not only do we get the zither music, but we get a cool like opening credits where we actually see the zither being played. Yeah, just a close up of the zither, close like up the of strings, the many moving. strings of a zither. Yeah. Uh, we get some narration at the beginning, which is kind of fast and casual, and again, very modern sounding. Do you know who it was? Uh, Director Carol Reed. Oh, weird. so. Originally, in the U.S. version, it's actually uh, it's actually Joseph Cotton that does the narration. That makes this, more sense, I suppose. I think, though, this one was a little bit more cynical, mm-hmm. and that's what they wanted. And I think in the U.S. one, they were like, make it Joseph Cotton and make it, like, not that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not quite the same. Dutch angles throughout this movie. Now, yes. I mentioned that Battlefield Earth kind of made Dutch angles a joke, but, like, back then, like... We- they really do are like they really can be used to unsettle you and kind of like give the scene an extra edge to it. And I mean, this was a pioneer in in that sort of thing. Uh, I, like, I can't think of any other movies we've seen that really extensively use Dutch angles. No, I don't think so. Not Nothing a lot. Maybe maybe out. like maybe like the Sporting Life. Maybe yeah, maybe there was I think some Dutch angles in there. Yeah. Um, anytime he he entered the house because you knew there was a beating coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how the porter at one point says, and maybe this is like the overall theme of kind of misdirection that happens a lot in this movie, is uh, when he mentions first that Harry Lyon was killed to uh, to Holly, he says, in heaven, or he says, he's in hell or heaven. And when he says <laughs> hell, he points up. And when he says heaven, <laughs> he points down. He's a, he's a confused man. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Or maybe maybe he's one of these guys that thinks like, all the cool people are in hell. That's where the good parties are. <laughs> Well, he hasn't heard about Republican heaven. No, he doesn't know. Unfortunately, it's not that good. Now, we have never talked about hell, but uh, that's because it doesn't really come Why aren't there any British movies on the BFI Top 100 about hell? Come on! Well, there's a matter of life and death, but that didn't actually show hell. That was heaven. That was just heaven. If you got a heaven, you got a hell. Yeah. So he thinks of Calloway as a cop at the beginning, but he's military. Mm -hmm. Military occupation authority. Again, Trevor Howard, great. You could sort of call him a gendarme. And he's not Callahan. No, he's Calloway, because he's not Irish. Um... Ms. Schmidt uh, wears a hat that reminds me of Carmen Sandiego. She Are you talking about Anna? Whole... Yeah. Okay. What? I don't know, we're getting so formal Well, they keep there. calling her Ms. Schmidt. That's how I wrote her down yeah. here. Uh, yeah. No, she wears a Carmen Sandiego hat, and she got the trench coat that looks very Carmen Sandiego. So I'm wondering if Carmen Sandiego was inspired by her. Uh, by this movie. It's good. It, there's a possibility. Maybe I... Ms. Schmidt goes on to become Carmen Sandiego in her new life. Where is she? That, I mean, nobody knows. That's why we have to find out. Where in time is Carmen Sandiego? Yeah, then she started time traveling and I, things got weird. Listen, yeah, it just got weird then. Yeah. Um, there's a cop with a Hitler stash in this movie. Yeah, just for but like that a brief was the moment. style at the time. But I just thought it was interesting because the year this came out, and he just kind of marches towards the camera, and we only see him briefly, and I'm like, oh, was that supposed to be like a, look at this fucking idiot. I feel like we did see a guy with a toothbrush mustache that did speak, and he spoke in a very thick, like, working class British accent. Oh, well, I don't know. Yeah, you would think by 1949 the toothbrush mustache would have fallen out of favor, but uh, I guess it must have taken a little bit longer. Thank God. <sighs> when we first see Lime, I was wondering if it was actually like if you actually was seeing him or if it was like a hallucination. Mm. I thought I thought maybe that for the rest of the movie, for most of the rest of the movie, we weren't going to be sure, and I don't think we were sure right away. No. And then he follows him out into the thing, and he disappears in the square. And I looked at that square, and I thought that looks like a Call of Duty map. That's because, Jason, yes, reveal it now, it is. Oh, my God. Well, there is a Call of Duty map. I think it's called Piccadilly Square. I don't know that this was in Piccadilly Square, but uh, mm-hmm. because it's not, because it wasn't in England. It was in uh, Vienna. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, so it wasn't really a conspiracy to kill Harry Lyme so much as a conspiracy to fake his death. By the way, he has one of the... By the way, when you see Harry Lyme and you see Orson Welles, it's one of the best reveals ever. It is. It is great. It's such a great like like lighting and everything, and then you yeah. see his face, and it's clearly Orson Welles. And it's just illuminated by the fact that a woman... An angry woman opened her window, turned on her light, was like yelling because Holly was. It saw that there was a figure because he sees a cat around someone, like walking her back and forth, and he says, "Oh, someone's there." So he's yelling. So an old woman opens her window, turns on her light, and starts yelling at Holly. And then as soon as that light turns on, boom! There's Harry hanging out in the door well. And and again, like you said, Jason, he is so magnetic. He is just a star. Yeah, you just from the moment you see his face, you just it's like you can't help but it's, be it's drawn. Like, it's like early Brando. Like, as soon as you see him, it's just yeah. like, holy shit. He just, he owns the screen when he's present, no matter what he is in. Even in Transformers movie, Brendan, playing Unicron. <laughs> yeah, when you see his face as you Unicron. You see his face as that big fucking robot in space. They should have fucking Angela anaconda that shit and put his real life yes. face on the robot. Guys, let's remaster the Transformers movie. We're starting a Kickstarter. We're going to put Orson Welles' face on Unicron. <laughs> no, let's put him on the wrong one. Yes. Hold we'll, on. We'll put him on uh, on uh, Bumblebee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, but when he plays the radio, it's just uh, clips from his War of the Worlds radio yes. show. When he goes, he meets he meets up with Harry at a Ferris wheel, and that's a cool looking scene, like uh, seeing out the window. And of course, when he's doing the whole bit about like, oh, if I told you you could eliminate any one of these dots and get twenty thousand pounds, it's like a shot looking down, and you could see the little people like walking around. It's and incredibly cold. Yeah, it's very cold. Like he, Harry Lyme is a, is a great villain, and like, this scene, you're like, oh shit, he has like he's a borderline sociopath at this but, point. But I also understand the offer. Like if if somebody came up to me and said, hey, if uh, you could just get uh, uh, you know, for every person that disappears on your order, you could get like $150,000. I mean, I'm not a psychopath, but I'll admit that I would think about it. I probably wouldn't do it, but I would definitely think about it. Um, I really like the line where uh, uh, Holly has convinced uh, the, um, sorry, I really like the line where Holly has convinced Trevor Howard Calloway yeah. that, uh, that Harry Lyme is alive and he's and they dig up the grave and they find that other guy and the line is we should have dug deeper than a grave. I love that line. Yeah. It's just so <laughs> it's such a good like double meaning. There's a good one. Uh guys, stop doing things for women if you just think they're going to fuck you. Yeah, guys, get over it. Man, they don't have to. Um one thing that really kind of startled me hearing in this movie just cuz the time it was released is there's a line about uh when they're preparing to deport Anna and send her away. Somebody makes a quick remark, and I don't remember who it, who it is. Says just following orders. Yeah, and I'm gonna say in 1949 that that had some impact. Well, especially considering we just had a whole Nuremberg trial where that was not a valid excuse for anything. No. Yeah. Uh, we had a little bit of comedy with the balloon guy wandering by the old guy selling balloons. <laughs> yeah, I love that when they're trying to they're planning this kind of stakeout. Yeah, they're trying to catch lime and trying to like be subtle and this fucking balloon guy comes over and he wants to sell them balloons. He's like, yes, fine, we'll buy a balloon. Yeah, he won't take it over and then we have a great scene of the Sarge grabbing a balloon and then just having this fucking balloon in his hand. It's very funny. <gasps> Our, um, I have a question for you. Do you think Baron and Vinkel are in a coded gay relationship? Uh, well, in the sense that the Baron reminded me of Peter Lorre, then maybe, I suppose. But The reason I ask is because there's a scene. So just before that meeting that he has with Orson Welles, with uh, with you know Harry Lyme, 
in the in the Ferris wheel. He yells up at them, you know, bring him down, bring him down. And I just noticed that I think it was the Baron had like a house coat on, yeah. like a robe, but he didn't look like he was wearing anything underneath. Yeah. And Vinkel was just kind of there with him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Maybe he was just giving him an exam. It's a real, it's a real uh, 39 steps called a cot and charters Just moment. giving him a casual house prostate exam. It's oh, just okay. what you do. Yeah, you got to check your house prostate every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like it's the 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 house den the house den mother or something. The house prostate mm. is here, mm. so everybody be on their best behavior. You don't want to incur the wrath of the prostate. <laughs> that's that's a fact. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have. Jesus, acting Wells' face like just watching Wells' face throughout this movie in various scenes like he does so much just on his expression, and it it doesn't feel like it's out there. It, it's like it's not stage acting. Like he's subtle and you you could tell what he's thinking yeah and that's basically all i have too for bits and bobs i do have some uh behind the scenes kind of tidbits though sure so if you had behind the scenes stuff to talk about brendan what might that be <laughs> well um i will say that uh before writing the screenplay mm. uh graham green kind of worked out the atmosphere the mood of the story and he did that by writing a novella first so he wrote it as essentially he wrote his own source, his own source material for the yeah. screenplay, which you know is not crazy. A lot of people do that. Yeah, he never actually even intended to publish it, yeah. but then eventually he did, um, and he even took like a big tour of like the city and like the sewers and the less reputable nightclubs, mm. um, just to get an idea, kind of a kind of a sense of the uh, of the story. Well, Austria, like like Vienna in Austria, even before like. I mean, maybe not so much during the Nazi era, but before the Nazi era was a famously cosmopolitan city. So, like, it was a place where you would go and and it was where everybody was. And there was interactions of culture and interplay. And actually, it's the city where Hitler went when he was a young man. And it was where he came up with this idea of like, oh, well, like all these racial groups tend to keep to each other. Because, so that means they must, uh, uh, you know, mean something. And so I'm going to rank them. And white men were on top. <laughs> I'm going to rank them. I'm going to rank them. You made a list. Yeah. Um, the narrator in the novella is actually Major Calloway. Ooh, so Trevor Calloway. Howard's character. Yeah. Um, other differences. Uh, so Holly and Harry Lyme are both, uh, are both English in the book. Interesting that they would change that for the movie. I think it works better though that they're American. I mean, it's cool because they're outsiders too, and they're kind of yeah. even outsiders to the the you know Callaway and the Russian guy and like kind of the administration. Because I think it, I think it works better too in that like Harry Lyme would probably be the only other one that wouldn't understand German, and that he's the he's the counterpart to Holly. Uh, maybe there was a consideration of we wouldn't want to portray a British person as quite this shitty, even though <laughs> there were plenty of British people that were they were that shitty. I mean, I still maintain this movie takes some shots at Americans for, for sure. sure. For sure. Um, and they deserve it. Goddamn right. Okay, so this is the one of the craziest ones. So Crabbin, he's the guy that's like, come do the lecture for me. Yeah. Whatever. It, um, in the original draft of this screenplay, he was actually going to be replaced by two different characters mm. played by Basil Radford and Naunton Wayne. That's right. <laughs> Charters and Caldecott. That would have been amazing. I wish. I mean, I don't know if it would have necessarily uh, uh, kept its place, but like, I like those guys. That would have been great if they'd have been in this. And of course, uh, yeah, they would yeah, have been funny. Um, and then, of course, in the original ending, um, they pretty much hint that uh, that much like the novella, that Anna and Holly are about to begin a new life together. Mm. Um, 
and in the book, of course, you know, he it, it does not happen. And Graham Greene was very unhappy with that. He wanted that uh, that ending. He, that was, he said that was one of his very few major disputes with Carol Reed. He said, otherwise, my, you know, d- the director and I got along great. Like he wanted them to hook up at the end. He wanted it to be a happier ending. Um, yeah, but then he said, that. but but then he said, he to his credit, he did say later that he said, um, he said one of the few, ver- one of the very few major disputes between Carol Reed and myself concerned the ending, and he has been proved triumphantly right. Yeah. Okay. So good. he is willing to accept that he was wrong. It, about that. In the long run, it worked better for the movie. Yeah. Um. Actually, David O. Selznick, who's one of the producers on this movie. Very famous Hollywood producer mm-hmm. also stubbornly refused it. He was like, "No, no, no! This does not end happy. That's so artificial." Basically, was his uh, was his thing. Oh, so he was in favor of the the actual ending. Oh yeah. Okay, good, good. David Oselzik's also his con- his big contribution to the movie was uh, to have provided Joseph Cotton and Orson Welles. Yeah, um, I suppose. Yeah. Back in the day when they were probably under contract, the studio needed to be lended out when, um, you know, w- when they were to be used elsewhere. So one of the one of the rumors about this movie for many years is that Orson Welles secretly directed the movie. Yeah. And Orson Welles kind of added a little bit of fuel to the fire cuz he said, you know, it was Carol's picture, but he said he did contribute some of the film's best known dialogue. He also at one point he kind of said he kind of turned away like Oh, uh, you know, the producers, we can't talk about that, producers and such. Mm. So he kind of, but Peter Bogdanovich, who, uh, as you know, is Orson Welles' friend because he only talks about it every other interview. Yeah, and he's also a, a film historian and director himself. Yeah. Um, basically said that Orson's involvement was minimal as far as like acting and he improvised a few lines. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I but I think, but I think the argument is this movie would be kind of unthinkable without Citizen Kane coming before it. For sure. And and uh, like it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if Orson offered his opinion to Carol sure, Reed. Like, sure, because he's a fellow director, so he would. I'm sure if Carol Reed was the sort that solicited opinions from his actors, he'd be happy to listen to it. But maybe that didn't happen, Jason, because apparently Orson Welles quote generally annoyed everyone on the set. <laughs> um, he uh, he would he didn't want to film. They were going to film in this. Uh, in this in this sewer, they were going to film in this huge sewer, mm. and he was like, no. So they had to move the entire production to the soundstage in the UK um, as a result of that. I mean, he's a guy that had the weight to swing around to get that done. But at the same time, it's like, fucking do it, man. You're not better than the rest of us. Carol Reed also probably, I mean, I think now we recognize how harmful this is. But Carol Reed had four different camera units shooting around Vienna for the duration of the production. And he basically had, he was so tired and do such long hours that he was popping Benzedrine to stay awake. As you did back then. Yeah. Post-war era, everybody loved their uppers. Because <laughs> um, so many of them were addicted from the war, but that's a different story. We mentioned the cuckoo clock line earlier. Yeah. That's actually a line that Orson has, has been very upfront. He's like, I took that from something else and I don't know what it is. And there's many theories about where it's from. But it, uh, it it definitely was lifted from something. It's cool that he acknowledges, but nobody knows where. <laughs> he did also say, when the picture came out, the Swiss very nicely pointed out to me that they've never made any cuckoo clocks. <laughs> <laughs> he said, so, I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a line that was rooted in history. It's just something I thought would have worked for the scene. Yeah, and it did. Yeah. The U.S. release of this movie. So again, I, I told you it starts off with a uh, narration by Joseph Cotton instead. Sure. Big star in America. Yeah. Um, and there's just like various cuts here and there and 
dumb things. But, but they cut about 11 minutes of footage, though, which wow. is crazy. I don't know where they cut that from. That's crazy. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's yeah because in the original UK release, you hear Carol Reed, and he's kind of describing it from, like, the point of view of one of those racketeers, mm. right? You know, some people work hard, and some people are amateurs, and it's that great... I love that part of the beginning where he says some people are amateurs and we just see a body floating in the in the water. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that fucker didn't know what he was doing. Nope. In this one, it's very much just like Joseph Cotton standard mm. voiceover. I'm guessing they were like, Americans don't want to hear a criminal at the beginning. No, why? Yeah. But that's all I have. But I do have that this movie goes to the Oscars. Yay. It loses to English Patient. <gasps> No, it, Scarface. It is, it is nominated for two film, uh, two categories. Not nominated for two films. <laughs> no, nominated for two categories. Uh, is nominated for best editing. Okay, yeah, which is won that sure. year by King Solomon's Minds. Not seen that, have you? No, but I've heard of it a lot, a few times. Yeah, it's also nominated for best director for Carol Reed or Orson Welles. <laughs> but the winner that year is Joseph L. Mankiewicz for All About Eve, which okay. is a great fucking movie. Another movie I've heard of but never seen. But it wins one award. What do you think? Best Supporting Actor for Orson Welles? Nope. It wins Best Cinematography Black and White. Oh, well, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. It deserves that. It also, uh, just a note, I thought it was interesting. It also won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. Okay. Uh, and at the BAFTAs, it's nominated for Best Overall Film, but it loses to Bicycle Thieves, which mm-hmm. is actually a great um, Italian Oh. Kind of, I guess, neorealist is what it falls under, okay. but it's it's really good. I always thought that was a French movie. Weird. Uh, no, it's Italian. Hmm. And it wins best British film. Okay, good. Which sense. later I'm gonna, J- Jason, I'm gonna I'm gonna uncork the conspiracy here. Oh no! Because this movie says Alexander Corda presents the best British film award would later be called the Alexander Corda Film Award. Mm. Um, hello, hello. I smell something funny. Hello, hello. Uh, this was the most popular movie in the UK box office in 1949. But in Austria, critics were underwhelmed. <laughs> I wonder if it's just because they could understand it. Yeah. They, and they, they were like, they, oh, they we know what's going maybe on. Maybe they didn't appreciate the acting of all the German extras. Maybe they were very stiff. Yeah. Um, I, I, somebody actually noted that in Britain, it's a thriller about friendship and betrayal. In Vienna, it's seen as a tragedy about Austria's troubled relationship with its past. Sure. Yeah. Uh, some critics at the time uh, criticized the unusual camera angles. Oh, those poor babies couldn't handle it. Those poor little titty babies. Somebody from the Observer said, not the Wrestling Observer, not, this wasn't Dave Meltzer. Um, he said, Reed's habit of printing his scenes askew with floors sloping at a diagonal and close-ups deliriously tilted were most distracting. That just shows how things change. What a fucking lame guy. Can't understand it. Uh, director William Wyler, so the director of like Ben Hur and a bunch of epics, is also a close friend of Carol Reed. Yeah, and he he sent him a note that said, "Carol, next time you make a picture, just put it on top of the camera, will you?" <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so it got overwhelmingly positive re- reviews, though, for the mm. most part in the UK and America. Uh, of course, Bosley Crother of the New York Times said it brilliantly packaged the whole bag of his cinematic tricks, his whole range of inventive genius for making the camera expound. 
Uh, Carol reads eminent gifts for compressing a wealth of suggestion in single shots for building up agonized tension and popping surprises are fully exercised. His devilishly mischievous humor also runs lightly through the film, touching the darker depressions with little glints of the gay or macabre. Roger Ebert gave it four out of four, is on his great movies list. Film has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, much yeah. like Citizen Kane, because they dug up that super old, clearly review from a, from a William Randolph Hearst newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the budget for this movie was $9 million. It's a good amount of money in 1949. So there you go. Jason, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is... This is it, man. Man, it's the last this is movie. Number one. So what do you what do you what do you think? Just get it out of the way. This movie is not my number one. Oh shit. But this is a great movie. I really enjoyed this movie. This is a fantastic piece of British uh, film noir. Um Featuring, as I said, Americans and filmed in Vienna, but like and now, George Calloway, of course, is British and is great. Now could you you Trevor Howard? Trevor Howard, a.k.a. Calloway, who yeah. I assume his first name is George. I don't know. Yeah, sure, everyone's first Why name not? is George. Yeah, I'm um, thinking of that other guy, the other George. From yeah, from A Fish movie. Called Wanda. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> now, could you see, like, I know you said that personally for you it's not going to be in your top one, but could you see why this is kind of the top yeah, one? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is a fantastically made movie. Like, it is, it is a, like, as you said, the script is super tight. There's a lot of stuff that's set up, and then it pays off at, uh, you know, in the end of the movie. Um, it looks great. Uh, the acting is fantastic. Like I, I absolutely understand why this is number one. It's not my number one, but I understand why it's number one. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's my number one too, but I will say right now, I think it's probably in my top ten. Yeah. I, I think this movie. Yeah, this movie is incredibly well made. I mean, this is a pioneer of filmmaking. This is a classic. You can't watch this movie and come away not thinking, I just watched an amazing fucking movie. You can't come away from this movie thinking that someday Roger Christensen will make Battlefield Earth. <laughs> and he'll do this even better. He'll, do, he'll improve upon it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's fucking great. Um, shit. Yeah, I mean, what else can you say? That's... I mean, the performances are great. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good, it's a fast-paced story. Uh, you know, it's an hour 45, I think, when all said and done. Like, it's a, it's a good watch. Jason, that's it. That's it. <laughs> We're done. We're done. We watched 100 movies in less than three years. We watched 100 movies. One, I mean, I'm sure you watched 1,000 yourself. But. I've watched, okay, Jason, uh, <laughs> I've almost watched 300 for the first time this year. Oh, wow. I'm impressed. So, there you go. Good job. I have two podcasts, so it's fine. That's true. Um. But yeah, no, that's 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 the one hundred movies. I don't want to ruminate on this too much because we will obviously come back to this. We will yeah. we will wrap this all up. But next week, we are going to do just like we normally do. We're going to do a, a special on the last twenty we watched. Yep, we're going to rank them. We're going to give us some awards. We're gonna we're gonna have a good time yeah. and a long time and a great time. So have a good time. The sun can't shine every day. Not every day, unless you're in. I don't know. Well, Los Angeles, the sun shines a lot. Okay. But then when it rains, it's a big deal. Everybody goes fucking crazy. That's They're like, oh, rain! I listen to a lot of podcasts from LA, and when it rains, I think everybody goes into it. Do you ever see that episode of Star Trek where uh, they worship the computer, and then they have the red hour? They worship Landrew, and then they have that red hour where they all go crazy. Basically, it's the inspiration for the purge. It's like that when it rains. I was hoping you were asking the listeners, because I was like, no, I have not seen Oh, that. we should watch that sometime. It's great. <laughs> Well, there you go. So, yeah, next week we'll rank the last 20 movies. Um, we've got two audience Brit picks after that. 
The yeah. Two of the ones we looked through the list of, of ones that you guys suggested and we picked Jason and I each picked one that we thought was uh, worth a watch because there's a lot of British movies that are worth watching that aren't on this list. And and we'll get to that. Yeah. Soon enough. Um, and then, yeah. And then we'll after we do ne- after we rank the last 20 next week, after we do our two Brit picks, the final episode of the year, the final full episode of the year is going to be our wrap-up on the BFI Top 100. That's right. We will go through our bottom 10 and top 10s and maybe talk about a few things in between. Yeah, and uh, we'll put the lists out. That look, Listen, I'm just going to tell you right now. Jason and I are not going to sit here and read off all 100 no. of our... But we'll each prepare... We will post them. We'll each prepare a nicely labeled list, a, a very organized Top 100, and then side by side, and you decide who's right and why it's Brendan. Ha-ha! <laughs> this guy. So there you go. We'll be back next week. We'll rank them. Um, this is the beginning of the end, folks. So, uh, so pretty this, soon we will commit suicide, as we said. As we said, right at the end of the year. Yeah. Just in time for Christmas. And then we will come back to life and begin the Canadian movies. Right. We'll come back to life. Yeah. We'll we'll be like a, a fox and a hound. <laughs> what? We'll be reincarnated. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie. Did they come back to life? Well, you don't know. Oh, oh, sorry. So, Fox and the Hound actually starts with a couple of uh, of, uh, of Buddhists. Oh, and uh, I don't. Even, I don't think that's their tradition. I'm just. <laughs> I'm horrible. It just starts with a couple of guys, and they're like they believe in reincarnation. Okay. And they both kill each other because they want to come back as something cool, and they each come back as a fox and a hound, but they don't remember who they were. Okay. But then, then the fox and the hound just happens, and then they have sex, right? Uh, off screen. But you can hear it. You can smell it. Oh, it's one of those scratch cards. Yes, baby. Yeah, yes. they give you those scratch cards when you when you put the DVD in. It smells like the bus and Teen Spirit. So that, there you go. Um, I am prolonging this because I just can't believe this. Is the I end know of the it's list. amazing. And and guys, thank you so much for listening and being with us through this whole thing. I mean, we're not quite done yet, but like. This is a milestone. This is crazy. I can't believe that in my life I will be able to tell the people if they ask, why would they ask? But if they ask, I'll be able to say, yes, I did watch the entire BFI Top 100. Well, listen, if someone asks if you're a film buff, you're you're a film buff now. Well, I You've mean, done that's the it. thing. I may not have seen Jaws, but I've seen 100 British movies. <laughs> no. it's, it, I, I'm going to make a guarantee right now on this podcast. There will be an episode where Jason will watch Jaws. And, and there will be it. an episode where Brendan is forced to watch Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. There you go guarantees from both of us and maybe space seed as well just to give them context sure <laughs> uh but there you go so you can uh you can find us all over the place you can search for us on facebook uh you can f- uh, just search for for screen on the country you can find us on twitter at fsac pod as in for screen and country podcast uh, you can find uh, Jason on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That is M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Stop on by, ladies and gentlemen, and let's get weird. Give him a hundred reasons, baby. Thirteen reasons why. That's a dark turn that took. <laughs> but yeah, and you can find us on, of course, on all the podcast apps. Whatever you're listening to on right now totally works. But We're if out you, there, folks. If, if Let you, us know that you're listening. We'd love to hear from people. We're a small podcast. We have a small audience, and it, it absolutely tickles us when we know that you guys yeah. are listening. No, for sure. Let us know. Post on our Facebook. Tweet us. I mean, we can. We, we, we love Brad Apps. We love Colorization Guy. Yeah, well, there, was a, there was a gentleman who uh, posted on our Facebook the other day, which is really nice. He said we were his uh, his entertainment on his way to work. And and uh, for Colorization Guy, whose name I don't remember. It's like Color Horizon? Color Horizon, yeah. You should check him out because he has an interview with us. We did an interview. We 
actually did an interview with somebody. Somebody cared enough to ask us questions, Brendan. They did. And we were very honest. We were very honest. We had hot takes. We, we, were, we, were, we were on the verge of getting canceled, but we said what we believed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, so yeah, let us know you're listening. We love to hear from you. Um, I, if I, I will tell you right now, guys and girls and people of all gender of all denominations. All gender identities. If I, if I could choose between having, you know, a million listeners and having just, like, a solid bunch of people who just respond and comment and let us know what's going on, I would rather have that. When we hear from Sharon Horwat or Alan Allen or Adam Pellman or Andrew Littlefield... I said it right. Or Sergeant Charger Williams Holt. Sergeant Charger Williams Holt is one of our one of our and many others. People. Many others. Uh, just because we didn't name you doesn't mean we don't love you. And to that gentleman who gave us our name here on this last episode, we have to thank you, whose yes. name I never remember. But without you, we wouldn't have our wonderful name that nobody else has. Daniel Barula. Thank you, Daniel Barula. Um, I'm, I may have said it before, but I'm pretty sure you're a famous singer. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think you're close. <laughs> I think you also could be Daniel Kaluuya from uh, Get Out. It could be a pseudonym. Could be Daniel Kaluuya, and he's just like the representative of the Kaluuya brand. He's I mean, like a why hasn't character? Why hasn't Daniel Kaluuya signed that endorsement deal yet? He should. He really should. <laughs> also, if anybody out there is a representative for Kaluuya, send us some, and we'll drink it on the podcast for your benefit or any liquor, folks. If you are a representative of a company that sells liquor, let us know, and we will be happy to sample it. Yes. Because we're influencers. Uh, there's like 50 people that would love to hear our opinions on the liquor that you send us. I love how much you undersell us. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we're just we're just pushing the issue now. We're done. Uh, so we will, we will see you all next week. I tell uh, you what, folks. If you send us free liquor, we will send it to Sharon Horwat. And she will uh, promote it in a way that you can't even imagine. Jason, that's a promise that I don't know if we're going to have an easy time keeping. Well, I don't know if I could ship alcohol. If, if we get the liquor first, then we'll figure it out. If Sharon lives in Canada, shouldn't be a problem. If she lives elsewhere, it might be a problem. But we'll, we'll just throw it in the ocean or something. I don't think she's in Canada. Oh. Well, you know what? We're not all perfect. I'm sorry. Did you say we're going to throw it in the ocean? Yeah, we'll throw it in the ocean, and she'll just pick it up on the coast. It's going to be like just, that, that movie Message in a Bottle. She'll just have to go to Newport News, Virginia and pick it up. <laughs> right. She'll be the Harry Connick Jr. to our Sandra Bullock. That's right. Oh, Harry Connick Jr. Where are you now? Probably angry because he wants the show to wrap up. What if they remade The Third Man with Harry Connick Jr.? All right, that's it, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to see you next week. And and all I got to say for one of the final times... I think we're going to keep well, saying it. Well, I mean, we're going to keep we're saying gonna it. We're going to keep saying Look, it. Folks, before we oh leave, I need, you, I need you to know, like, we, I, I really would like to keep a Commonwealth theme on this podcast. We may watch movies that are not British, but we want to try to keep that in mind because, you know, we're from Canada. Canada traces its roots back to the British We're still Empire. part of it. We're still sort of part. We're part of the Commonwealth, you know? And uh, we're actually we, undercover. I, I, you know, we maybe we should watch some Irish movies. We could watch some Australian movies. We could watch some New Zealand movies. We could watch some South African movies. Ooh, you North know. American. We could watch North American movies. There you go. I mean, America used to be part of the British Empire. Yeah. Well, there's some stuff coming. You guys will like it. Yeah, you'll um, like it. And if you don't, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> or just don't listen. There's so many podcasts out there. If you don't go, like what we're doing, guys, go go listen to fucking Joe Rogan go or find, go find Adam something. Carolla or any other anybody else who was on the man. You know, show. If, if you're a big fan of Adam Carolla, I don't know if I want you else. By the way, folks, just a quick aside. Oh my man, god, man, man show. If you watch the man show, 
does not hold up. Oh, weird. I know it's weird, but, well, the, but one uh, of the one of them turned out okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, the other not so much. Not so much. But he I'm, can build benches, Brendan. God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. You know who else is my favorite comedian who can build things? God damn it. (laughs) This is the end. My only friend. The end of our elaborate lives. The end of everything that stands. Safety or surprise the end I'll never look into your eyes again Can you Strangers have been a